0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is the Combine edition. I am Dan Lobby and uh, joining me via phone is Mary Kay Cabin. Now we are both in Indianapolis right now for the Combine, but we kind of had to go our separate ways here um, after the events of of the day at the convention center. Uh, So we're still going to do this one by phone. Uh, But Mary Kay, we are both in Indianapolis. It is Combine week and of course that means we heard from Freddie Kitchens today.
1: Yeah, you know what, it, it's always, uh, you know, kind of an exciting few days here when you get to the combine, and you see every single coach, every single general manager stepping up to that podium, and so much news comes pouring out of Indy everywhere, you know, I mean, they're like, every time you look on Twitter, there's a a new news item or, or note or something like that, and uh, and that's what it was like all day today, so, yeah, we had Freddie at the podium, and you wrote a column about, uh, he really handled himself very well there, and he had some tough topics that he had to deal with, uh, including, of course, the signing of Kareem Hunt.
0: Yeah, so, so let's go ahead and get to that. Um, like you said, I, I had written a column about uh, how I thought he sounded like a head coach today, and part of that is, um, as a head coach, you have to speak for the organization more than anyone else, um, and it kind of started today for Freddie Kitchens. This was his first sort of exposure on a national stage and this was the first time we got to hear from him regarding Kareem Hunt, and and the thing that stood out to me is it was very clear uh, that he wanted the focus to be on what the Browns were going to do to help Hunt personally, and he didn't really get into too much as far as Hunt's impact on the football field.
1: That's absolutely right. He was all about how they can help him become a better person, talking about the structure of what they're doing and what he's doing uh, inside the building and outside of the building uh, to try to become a better man and put this incident behind him. Of course, the incident in the hotel where he uh, was caught shoving and punching the woman. Um, And I think one of the things that really stood out to me, and I actually just wrote about this a little while ago, uh, was that uh, everyone has wondered, you know, what impact is it going to have on Kareem Hunt? that he's trying to do this here in his hometown where he's got, you know, his old friend group. He's got family members that are in and out of trouble a lot, in and out of prison a lot. And I think that's the thing that really jumped out to me was, you know, Freddie Kitchens is, is trying to say, look, we think that this is a positive that he's doing this here in Cleveland, where he played at Cleveland Brown stadium sometimes before, uh, before games. And, uh, you know, where, where we think that he can be an asset to the community and that he can rely on some of the good influences that he has in his life that are here. And also that once he gets himself turned around, uh, he can give back to his community. And they're looking at that as a positive. And I wrote a lot of these things. And uh, I think he was just kind of reading my column, Dan, basically. But um, <laughs> but I wrote about a lot of those things uh, right after the Browns signed him. So I completely agreed with the things that, that Freddie was saying today that, uh, I think if it all works out the way that it should, uh, he can become an asset to this community.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll give him and John Dorsey credit. And I thought Freddie was was really good on Kareem. I, th- I thought John Dorsey, of course, it was a different situation. Dorsey we talked to the day of the signing, the day it was announced. Um, Freddie has had a little bit of time to get coached up and, and kind of worked through what to say about Kareem Hunt, but I thought he was really impressive today talking about that. And I actually thought he handled – sort of getting that message out a little bit better than, than John Dorsey did uh, back in the initial signing. But again, a big part of that is because Dorsey was doing that day of, and, and Fred, Freddie's had a lot of time to prepare to answer those questions.
1: Yeah, and they've had a lot of time to think about. It. I mean, we, like you said, we had John right away, right after um, the signing, and, you know, they hadn't really had time to Realize what maybe the backlash was going to be, what the response was going to be, and um, and they had they have had time to think about it, to process it, to talk to people in the community about it, uh, to do their homework a little bit more, and, and to kind of get their their sea legs about the whole situation. So I do think that he handled it very very well, and um, and, and like I said, it's a message. Uh, that I believe. I do believe in second chances. I do believe uh, that people can turn their lives around and therefore, and when they do that, uh, that they can go on uh, to do some good in the world and in the community and it can just have a ripple effect and go on and on in the same way that that Tyreek Hill, uh, the Chiefs receiver who John Dorsey drafted, uh, he's done those same things in Kansas City and it has been good for the Chiefs and for the city of Kansas
0: City. So of course you know we always have to talk about this you know two pronged approach because there's the off the field and, and the personal stuff but there's also the on the field because the Browns didn't sign this guy just it's, it's not a charity case they want to get him on the football field and, and have him help them win football games and of course there was a ripple effect there and, and Freddie was very firm today on two things uh, the first was that Nick Chubb is this team's running back and the second was that Duke Johnson is not moving to wide receiver or or moving to the slot so. Uh, this is going to be, when, when Kareem Hunt comes back, and we still don't know when that'll be, this is going to be a crowded backfield.
1: Yeah, it is. But, you know, even though they've never really given Duke the title of wide receiver, yeah. it certainly hasn't precluded them from playing him tons of times in the slot, splitting him out wide and doing all of those other things for him, letting him catch the ball at the backfield. So he hasn't really been a traditional running back. He's been a hybrid. And I think that will continue. Of course, it would have to continue if he's to stay on this roster because there aren't enough footballs to go around uh, for Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Duke Johnson to all get a lot of touches. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So uh, even though they're not going to give him the title of that, I still think uh, that he will play that role if he's around. And we know that's a big if because... Uh, his touches were way down last year as it is. And if he's not going to be, you know, utilized or valued in the system. Now, Freddie said, you know, we can never have enough, uh, good football players, uh, but if they're not going to be able to use him enough and they feel like they can get something out of him that would be of more value to them, uh, then I think they would consider doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say you can never have enough good football players in in February and, and obviously, you know that's true you want to have talent everywhere you want to have depth but at the same time when the real games start and guys aren't getting their touches or guys aren't getting on the field that is kind of when you have to can have too many good football players and then maybe they become a little bit unhappy about things and and you have to explore moving them for something else uh down the road whether it's filling another position or getting a draft pick or, or whatever it is but Uh, you know, right right now it's a little weird to talk about because we don't even know when Kareem Hunt will be able to even get on the field.
1: Yes, that is the big X factor. No one really knows exactly when that's going to come down. Uh, The league is still undergoing its investigation into Kareem Hunt and not only that incident, but a couple of others uh, that that he had in, you know, a couple of bars, nightclubs where uh, there were other incidents. So we still don't know yet. I, you know, I think it'll be, a, you know, sort of a lengthy suspension, eight to 10 games, something like that, I would guess. You know, maybe even more. I, I don't really know. I mean, as of right now, it's just a guess. There's not a lot of precedent for a suspension quite like this. And um, so, yeah, they have to figure that all out. And that's another reason why I don't think that they should move too quickly to try to trade Duke. I mean, they—he is a playmaker, and if they if they use him properly, he can be a tremendous asset to them, especially until Kareem gets back.
0: Okay, uh, let, let's move on to some other things that we talked about today, and and of course Baker Mayfield was a topic as well. And um, one one of the things that we have seen with Baker is uh, he's he's really embracing this this off season, and and it sounds like Freddie Kitchens has. Uh, you know, one of the things he talked about was he wants people to seek balance, his coaching staff and his players. You know, this is the time of year after after the season is over before you report for, for spring football. Um, this is the time of year when these guys actually get a chance to get a break, get out of town. Do, do whatever it is they want to do. I mean, we've seen Miles Garrett out fishing and, and playing basketball and, and doing all sorts of things. And and Baker Mayfield certainly out enjoying himself as well. Uh, and, and it sounds like Freddie Kitchens is, is kind of happy that his quarterback is taking a little time away from football.
1: Yeah, he really is. And he does not have one bit of concern whatsoever that Baker Mayfield will lose his focus, that he will do anything, uh, you know, that will – jeopardize or harm his ability to get better in any way he knows how much this game means to Baker Mayfield and he sees him out there you know having a great time having fun uh, enjoying his life enjoying his fiance he's getting married in July right now he's in Turks and Caicos with uh, Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard of the Giants we've seen him dining with Von Miller uh, and Odell Beckham Jr so you know he, he's taking it all in he's enjoying uh, his celebrity status, he's enjoying uh, some of the people that he knows now, some other stars in the NFL, and and he's just, you know, kind of lapping it all up and, and having a great time. And like I said, Freddie isn't worried about that whatsoever, uh, but it does take me back just a little bit to, uh, you know, when I spoke to um, Carson Palmer at, at the Super Bowl, he talked about how, uh, the you know, this offseason between, Uh, The rookie year and your second year is vitally important. And he cautions young guys. uh, And he said he's already talked to Patrick Mahomes about this. And it's not Patrick's second year, but it's his second year after starting full-time. He talks to those young guys about staying laser-focused and, you know, so to speak, making the main thing the main thing. We've all heard that. Um, And keeping it football. And so I would have to think that, uh, you know, that, that if Carson Palmer were chit-chatting with, with Baker, he might, you know, just mention, hey, you know, just make sure uh, that, you know, that that it's all about the game and that you're, you know, going to get it in the right place when you need to. But I don't think anybody needs to really worry about that again with Baker because, you know, he is all about this game. This, this is not like some of the other guys that we've seen. We will not mention names, Dan. <laughs> But, you know, there's, there's other guys where football hasn't been a priority over the years. And, and that's just not the case with Baker. He's so determined to be great and to be a really amazing quarterback, one of the best in the NFL. And uh, I don't think he's going to let anything get in the way of that.
0: Yeah, uh, the the name we won't mention just got cut from the CFL uh, today. So. <laughs> right. There's there's that. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the thing about Baker that, that really – You know, this is a guy that that seems to understand what he needs to do to get ready to play. Um, You know, this is going to be the question with this team, obviously, not just Baker but the whole team, is how do they ultimately handle success? Um, That's always kind of the challenge. How do you ultimately handle success? So, you know, look, he he comes back in April. They they get going early this year because they have a new head coach, so so they get started that first week in April, Um, and and it'll be time to focus on football. These guys – when these guys get into the season, it is seven days a week, especially the quarterbacks. I mean, it's actually in the CBA that the quarterbacks are the one – they're the one player that can be required to attend meetings on that off day on Tuesdays. So, you know, it's a seven-day-a-week job once they get into the season. This is kind of their time to relax, enjoy it. I remember Tom Brady going cliff diving one off season, But, you know, like you said, it's also important that, you know, you're doing the things you need to do to continue to get better as well. And I
1: think uh, one of the things that Freddie has pointed out a few times is the fact that Baker never, never got a break last offseason. He went right from college to, you know, to all the other things, you know, Heisman Trophy, postseason awards, then right into training, uh, you know, for, you know, then you had the uh, Senior Bowl and All-Star stuff and then uh, getting ready for the combine and the draft and then suddenly you wake up the next weekend and you find yourself in rookie minicamp and it just goes on and on and on and he never had a chance to stop and catch his breath so i think freddie is enjoying uh the fact that that baker mayfield is out there kind of living his life you know forgetting about the the grind of of football because it is so 24 7 during the season and i I don't think this is a concern on anybody's part
0: okay so the, the last thing we're going to touch on is uh A couple of free agents. One is no longer a free agent. The Browns signed Greg Robinson. Um, So he is uh, their left tackle at the moment. Uh, We'll we'll get to that. And then Brashad Perriman also is still out there as a free agent. So we'll talk about those two here. Uh, Greg Robinson, like I said, the left tackle for the moment. But it's a one-year deal. It's very incentive-laden. It it sounds like the Browns want to give him a shot to win the job long-term. But nothing about this signing – as, as, uh, as you have written and said, nothing about this signing really precludes the Browns from using a draft pick on a left tackle, going out and signing somebody, creating competition at that position. Um, I, I don't think anything is necessarily guaranteed for Greg Robinson.
1: No, but I will say that a $7 million base salary is a large sum of money, uh, which basically tells me that's starter money. Now the the other two million comes in incentives uh, that can get him obviously to nine million dollars, but a seven million dollar base that's pretty good. Uh, so I I think what they're they're making a statement here. They're saying go out and prove it to us. This can be the bridge to a long term multi year contract if he develops into the player that they think he can be. They also brought in a really good offensive line coach in James Campen, who John Dorsey played with in green Bay knows very well. And I think they believe that he will have a good impact on Greg Robinson. So while I don't think this precludes them from doing any of those things, it's certainly not necessary for them to spend number 17 on an, on an offensive tackle right now. I know if, if that's the best player there and they decide to do it fine, but I, I actually think uh, that they, are really giving Greg Robinson a really bona fide chance here to say, I am your left tackle of this future. I'm going to go out and prove it, and I'm going to show the world that I am not the bust everyone has made me out to be.
0: And and I think it helps, too, that, you know, you you have the potential to bring back five guys on the offensive line now. These are five guys that all played together over the last eight games of the season. Um, They've been familiar with each other. You know, we talk about the off season. It's it's so much. You know, there's there's less practice time now, right? They they come in for OTAs and mini camp. and like I said, this team gets a little extra time because of the new coach. But offensive lines have sort of suffered a little bit because of that in, in terms of continuity and learning to play together. And you know, bringing five guys back and letting them play together again after eight games together—that that's only going to help this line.
1: Yeah, it, it will. And and you know that I've brought up a. A controversial thing before about, you know, <laughs> that is how, are they going, how are they going to get Austin Corbett on the field? And Kevin Zeitler, if you look at pro football focus, is very, very highly ranked guard. I think he was like number six or something right behind Joel Petonio. So they had amazing guard play last year. And you might not want to upset that apple cart. And I do understand that. But by the same token, you know, in talking to John Dorsey at the senior bowl, you know, he did emphasize that, um, you know, that he believes that Austin Corbett is a very, very good football player. And he would like to see him get on the field at some point. So who knows if they'll shake that up a little bit this, this season or not, or let him maybe wait another year uh, for his turn, which, you know, John Dorsey's used to, you know, people having to wait behind really good football players Um you know, of course, speaking about Aaron Rodgers and, and Brett Favre there. But uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that all plays out. But for right now, I think they have their left tackle for nine, 2019.
0: And of course, that receiver, Brashad Perriman, still out there as a free agent. Um, this is a guy that, uh, that did very well, much like Greg Robinson, uh, sort of revived his career over the course of the last eight games. Um, you know, especially in December, he he was, he was excellent, but he's still kind of out there and, and everything seems kind of quiet right now on that front.
1: Well, you know, he has a, a very good agent in Drew Rosenhaus who, who is going to drive a hard bargain. I mean, Rashard Pearman put himself back on the NFL map last year with what he did in connecting the way that he did towards the end of the season with Baker Mayfield. And there's a lot of teams, that that would pay a premium for a guy with that kind of speed and that kind of size, who apparently now seems to be able to focus enough to catch the football. And, you know, I mean, he, he put some things on tape that, um, you know, that have other teams taking notice, including, uh, you know, John Harbaugh mentioned him today at the, um, at the combine about, well, you know, yeah, sure. You know, he said something like it would be nice to have him back. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't tampering or anything like that, but it was. I mean, not something that uh, not something that you would necessarily want uh, a coach to be saying about a, a pending free agent because he's not a free agent yet. Uh, that doesn't happen until March 13th if they don't sign him before that. But he has captured the attention of some teams, and I'm sure that Drew Rosenhaus will capitalize on that.
0: Yeah, and and this is not. You know, right now probably the best receiver available, at least as far as downfield guys, is Tyrell Williams from the Chargers. And, you know, he's he's fine. But you know, this is this is an opportunity maybe for Perriman to cash in on those those last few games of the season and, and kind of show, you know, this is a former first round talent. Um so so certainly, you know, I, I think that carries weight with guys. There there's a reason he was good enough to be a first round pick. Um, whether he can deliver on that long-term, we'll see. But um, it, it'll be very interesting to see which direction the Browns go if for some reason Perriman doesn't re-sign here.
1: Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see. And should we bring up the, uh, the Antonio Brown thing here, Dan? Mean, we, 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 might
0: have... as, we might as well talk about Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown while we're at it.
1: Okay, while we're on the topic of receivers. Um, so Kevin Colbert, uh, the Steelers general manager, took the podium today and he was asked, you know, would you be willing to trade him within the division? And he basically said, you know, we would need a premium in compensation to do so obviously because in a perfect world, we want to never play him again. Uh, But then, you know, you don't really want to play him twice a year. So you're going to have to balance that out with, you know, a little bit more in terms of whatever you're giving back. So Uh, If the Browns have any interest in Antonio Brown, and I don't know yet whether they do or not, uh, they're going to have to pay up for him, and he's going to cost a pretty penny. Uh, At the the same time, Dave Gettleman, a little bit later than that, I think, said that, hey, we didn't re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. last year to an extension just to trade him. And he said, and that's enough said about that. So he's been very adamant about that, even though, again, Uh, Fox Sports' Jake Glazer, who is usually right on with everything that he writes, uh, has predicted that Odell will get traded in the offseason. So, you know, stranger things have happened. How many times did we hear that there was no way in heck that the Patriots were going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, right? (laughs) I mean, we heard it over and over and over. Wasn't going to happen. Take it to the bank. Not happening. Well, it happened. So. You can never say never, um, but I, I would have to think that he's being, you know, so adamant about it that, you know, that maybe maybe he is serious about it unless somebody just knocks his socks off.
0: Yeah, and, and I would think, you know, Antonio Brown would be such a, you know, I, I he's fantastic. He's Maybe, you know, obviously not last year specifically, but, you know, there have been times in his career where he's easily been the best receiver in football. And he's still got a lot of, he's still got some years left in him. Uh, But at the same time, boy, for the Steelers to trade him somewhere where they have to not only play him twice a year, but trade him to the team that's really on the up and up in the North and the team that is maybe the most likely to sort of, you know may, some people might look at them as the favorite to win the north if they if they acquired antonio brown. i think it would be an awfully hard sell uh yeah, i mean the browns would have to give up way too much in that situation to, to convince the Steelers to send him their way
1: yeah i i i don't really see it happening like you said because of the premium uh that they would have to pay but uh i know that at least uh well actually two current receivers would probably be or already are lobbying hard for that to happen in Antonio Calloway, who has been mentored by Antonio Brown for the last year or so. And Jarvis Landry, who took to Twitter uh, to basically say it was time to have a three-way call with Le'Veon <laughs> and Antonio Brown, two of the three killer bees. So uh, we know that I'm sure that there's been already some back channel negotiating amongst the players. And, um, and, you know, we'll just have to see how, how that would play out. But I like, like you said, I don't see them uh, going as high as they would probably need to. And the, the interesting thing about that is Kevin Colbert said that he thinks he'll have a much better idea about this by the end of this week. I mean, it almost sounded like he thinks he might have a possible deal in place by the end of this week. So definitely something to watch.
0: Well, you know, this is the week. All, all these guys are here in Indianapolis. Uh, they're all going to talk to each other, and, and they're going to talk to agents. And this is sort of the, you know, the NFL has that tampering window a couple of days before the start of the league year, but this is really kind of where everything starts to happen. This is where the wheels go in motion, and it's always a little awkward because um, even Bal- Baltimore's GM today wasn't even really able to talk about them trading Joe Flacco to Denver. He had to pretend like, it didn't even happen or like it's not going to happen. So uh, it's always a little awkward. There's a fine line the, that these guys sort of have to walk, but um, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if we kind of knew Antonio Brown's destination, you know, if, if not at the end of this week, early next week.
1: Yes, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, they have that, like you said, the legal tampering period for free agency, but it just seems like a free-for-all when it comes to trades. It's like you can just agree to a trade and everybody knows about it, and, but it can't happen until March 13th. I just find that to be such an odd thing in this league because, you know, I mean, I don't know if, if you knew that you could execute a trade like that, you know, I just feel like some teams would be on the outside looking in thinking, wait, I thought we weren't supposed to be doing that yet. But um, anyways, like you said, that business does happen here in Indy. And I would expect that we'll have, have more news as the week goes along.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things that is sort of, it's all become a little antiquated in this, uh, in this Twitter and, and social media world where we get breaking news like right away. So, but anyway, that's, uh, that's what we're dealing with. So <laughs> as of right now. Joe Flacco is a Baltimore Raven according to their GM and they haven't decided on anything, but we all know how that's going to go. Um, so that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Uh, we will try and get one of these every day for you, uh, at least uh, tomorrow and Friday, Uh, and then we're actually both going to be leaving indianapolis on saturday so we we probably won't get one out to you that day but we'll try and get a couple others here uh towards the end of the week we'll bring in scott pascoe as well he's he's uh arriving in town today so we'll get him on these tomorrow and friday so uh until then uh mary Kay, thanks for taking the time and thanks everybody for listening